Take your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. You're saying, wait a minute, he shouldn't be doing this now. We are going to break up our service today. I'm preaching on praise and we're going to talk about music. But I want to effectively give you an illustration at the end of this service by showing you what we sing and why we sing it. And so we're going to teach, we're going to preach, we're going to learn, and then we're going to practice it, and we're going to do it. And so I'm not saying that the end of the service is not going to be praise or worship, but I want it to be an education. I want you guys to, when I was in school, uh, I would have a hard time sometimes grasping some of the things that they would teach. They would get up and lecture, they would talk about it. Then the teacher would say, bring somebody up here. Let me bring somebody up here and let me illustrate it. Or wait a minute. And they turn around, write it on the board. And then all of a sudden I'm more of a visual learner. If if I hear it and see it, it connects with me. If I can act it out or touch it or whatever, it it changes things. So that's what we're going to do. I I don't want to just be here today. I I don't want to just go through the motions. I want to grow. I want to walk out of here with an understanding of why God's given us music and what the importance of it is. Last week we talked about Psalm 150. Praising the Lord. It talked about from the beginning of that chapter to the very end. And it talked about where do we worship in the congregation, the firmament of his power, everywhere, but also here. Then it talked about who should worship. At the end of it, it says, let everyone that has breath praise ye the Lord. Said, why do we worship? We praise him for his goodness and his greatness. Said it right there in this uh, verse 2 and 3 as it goes into that. And then it talks about how should we worship. And it talked about uh, rejoicing. It talked about being uh, uh, singing and instruments. And it listed a whole list of instruments. And we see left and right of us. These guys are ready to help me here in a minute. But these, these guys are tuned up because this is part of what God created. And it talked about the loud sounding cymbals and the stringed instruments. And it talked about all these different things that we have on the stage. All found in the Bible. We talked about outlets of praise. We talked about how there's clapping. The Bible mentions that in Psalms. There's shouting to lift up our voice. Should it always be quiet? Sometimes we get excited. That's what the word rejoice means. Literally means to be excited, to let it out of you, not to be tame or quiet, but to shout the name of God, to say hallelujah, to praise the name of God. I say that because I want you to know it's in the Bible. And sometimes we get so nervous about these things. Like, What's going on in here? Church is going on in here. The Bible is happening in here. Let's make sure we're biblical in what we say. And not get nervous over something somebody else said that you should or should not do. The Bible is our foundation. But the Bible talks about singing. He says, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness. And I will sing praise to the name of our Lord. Sing. It's not an option. He talked about, I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, thou most high. It talked about rejoice, to jump with joy, to be excited, to triumph, to be expressive. Literally meaning it's not just sitting there mumbling through words, but to shout it out, to sing it, to proclaim a message as we do this. Music was created by God to praise and worship God. It's amazing how out of all the things we preach and teach about, do you guys know that one of the most controversial subjects in churches and Christianity is what I'm talking about today? You want to, you want to split a denomination or split a church, whatever, talk, change the music, talk about music. It's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. We believe in this and we had this and it's always been, you know, and I, and I thought, man, what does God say? <laughs> Just to stop, 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 stop. What does God say? 
Let's get back because I tell you, we all have opinions. We could sit here and go around the room all day long, but we have to start with what God says. So let's read this passage. All of our points will come straight out of this passage right here. Colossians 3.16 and 17. Later we'll tie in verse 15. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. You know what's neat about this? Did you guys know that this is one of the only passages in the New Testament that talks about music? Ephesians uh, uh, chapter 3, I think it is, that talks about music. It's almost a parallel verse. We have times that they say singing, but actually like a doctoral explanation of what singing is, it's it. Then you read this and you're thinking, how much controversial could come out of what everybody says can and cannot be when this is it? So let's break this down. The Bible starts off right here with the foundation of music. It starts off right at the very beginning explaining the foundation of our music. Read it at the beginning. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. It's our starting point. It's right here. Before it ever said singing songs or singing psalms, it starts right at the beginning. And it says, hey, by the way, before you start with anything, here you go. <laughs> it's like here. This is your starting point. This is your foundation. So what it's saying, all our, our, our view of music must be biblical. Did you notice that it has a semicolon that separates the word of God and music? It brings the two thoughts together. It's not two separate things that he's explaining in this. It joins them together. So our view of music should, should be uh, biblical. Because a lot of times we'll sit there and say, well, I just feel, or my view, or the way I see it, or whatever. We could go all day long. But I tell you, if we have a foundation and say, well, let's start with what God said, and then we can build preferences and things like that. But let's start with what it says at the beginning, because that leads to our practice of music must begin with God's word. Did you notice what it says? It says, let the word of Christ, there's our foundation, dwell in you. It's not just a knowledge of it. It says, let it dwell, let it take up residence in you, richly in all wisdom. You guys know that music and the Word of God and the Spirit of God cannot stir and come out of you if it doesn't start by dwelling in you? Talk about no revival in America and, and, and things being like not, not being stirred like this. Could this actually be what it is, that the Word of God should be dwelling in us richly, literally mean consuming the hearts and minds? So by the time we get up to talk about it, it's already stirred up like that can of Coke or that bottle of Coke that we talked about last week. To know it, to meditate it, to live it, it says richly. It means it should take up space. So let the word of God dwell in you richly. It literally means that it should be a big part of your life. The Bible was not meant to be something you do Sunday morning at 11 to 12.15 or 12.20 or on a day that I'm preaching along, 12.30. Depends on the day. <clears throat> it's the foundation of what we do. <clears throat> it's said in all wisdom. That literally means that you live it out. It's not just knowledge of God. It's application to what we're reading. And it brings us into the purpose of music. Now, no, this isn't a separate thought. It says, talks about the foundation. Begin with the word of God. What does God say? Let it dwell in you. Let it come out of you. And then he walks into the purpose of music. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing. 
You, you want to know why we do what we do? Why you say, why do we schedule time this thing? Why do you have the radio on your car? Why do you guys have AirPods that you have in your ears all day long? Why, why do we walk around in, in a store and have music playing? Why is it? Because music does something to us. It, it, it's got power. It's got influence. Got these. So but the Bible points it out spiritually that it does two things for us. Now look at what the Bible says. It says it's, it's teaching and admonishing. The first thing that it says is music teaches. It's what that's, you say, that what, what is it for? Well, God said, I, I created it because I want to tell you messages. I want to communicate through this. There's music that ought to teach, to lift up doctrine, to point back to history, to talk about the things that God has done and he is doing. We will illustrate this a lot more as we get into this because we're going to make application to this. But our music explains the promises of God. You are faithful. You are faithful. God, you are, we, we, it, it, it teaches us that. We, for a new Christian to sit there and say, man, I needed to hear that today. I needed to be reminded of that today. It teaches us about the death, the burial, the resurrection at, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. We're talking about burdens are, are, are lifted at Calvary. We talk and sing about these things. Heaven, hope, peace, love teaching through songs. Literally, the Bible says, I'm going to communicate this to your hearts. In between the Bible and sometimes our brain, you're going to find music. Taking something that we've learned and putting it in such a way that it ministers to our brains and sticks in our brains. Music teaches, but the Bible also says admonishing. It means that music edifies. That word admonish literally means to put in your mind. We would say it like this, or to remind you, to be reminded of, uh, uh, it puts our focus or attention on something. That's how you can have a bad day. You can walk in the church and all of a sudden you hear music and you go from, man, alive, I'm so bummed out and work's going to be horrible tomorrow and I'm dreading this or dreading that. And the next, you know, 10 minutes into it, your mind is on God. God has given us a tool called music to remind us or refocus us from us going uh, horizontally to vertically on him. God created it for this purpose. He created it to help us. Music can either bring you down or bring you up. God created it as a tool to help bring us up. But notice this. The Bible talks about setting your affections on things above. How do you do that? Music is one of the ways that we do that. It teaches, it edifies, and it ministers. It ministers. You say, where are you getting that from in here? Teaching and admonishing one another. This is cool, because we often talk about music as being uh, vertical. Literally meaning, I'm going to sing to the Lord. And, and that's the next point we'll look at. It, it is. But did you notice that it says teaching and admonishing one another? It, it literally is, as the worship team gets up, and they're all sitting over here ready. When they get up, they've got a job on Sunday morning to do. The choir has a job on Sunday morning. The praise band has a job on Sunday morning. Their job is to teach and admonish you guys. And while you're singing out here, and you stand to sing, and you're talking about the praises of God, and if the Word of God is dwelling in you richly, and it's stirred up inside of you, you're going to be singing out in such a way that you're going to minister to the ones around you. God created music to do this. It literally means that it's not an option. God didn't just say, well, if you want to sing, or it's in, you, know, you don't have to sing or whatever. No, God's given this to worship God, but also corporately to encourage one another. You know why this is important? Because you guys all know the thing, and I'm, I'm not dogging anybody that can't. But it's not a substitute for staying at home. 
Because people say, I can worship at home. Can you worship home? Yes. Can you learn at home? Yes. Can you pray at home? Yes. But there are certain things that you cannot do at home. I cannot, at home, edify or encourage, love you, pick you up, or, or know that you're going through a hard time, unless it's by a text message. But even that's how impersonal is that. But it talks about encouraging one another to lift each other up. Right here, the Bible's talking about this, to point the truth, to encourage each other. It is cool. I have a friend that encourages me all the time. His name is Bart, and he is the lead singer of Mercy Me. And you say, man, I didn't know you were close to Bart. Yeah, me and him. No, I'm kidding. We are not close at all. (laughs) Mark is the lead singer of Casting Crowns. Every time I get into the car or I'm driving down the road, I'm able to sit there and have the message that God has put on their hearts to minister to me all the way to Walmart and back. You say, I didn't know you were that close. Thank God for technology that allows us to do things like that. Music was created to minister to one another. But then I can't leave this out. Music was created to praise. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You say, why, why, why are you, what did it say, talk about ministering to one another? I thought it was all about God. You know, it is all about God. You know why? Because we're the family of God. And he's our father. You know what God loves for us to praise him? And God loves for us to encourage one another. That, you, you talk about a, a, a great time and you, say, you, you leave a family out and you come back and you say, man, that was a great time. Usually you're going to find because the family was dwelling together in unity. And the family was loving on each other. God has given us music to do that. Then all of a sudden, it goes from horizontal to that worship being vertical. He literally says, admonishing one another, but praising God. It goes up. Same thing as we do when we're out at a ball game. You get excited. Your son's out there playing. Your daughter's out there playing. You stand to your feet and you announce and say, that's my boy. That's my daughter out there. Man, I'm so proud. I'm, uh, I'm stirred up. That's what we do when we're worshiping God. We're sitting there just singing about the cross and the victory. And it came out of the grave. You stand up and say, that's my God. I'm excited. I'm thankful. I'm announcing it. I'm pointing to it. I'm singing about it. I'm proclaiming it. Can I give you guys a verse that is so vital when it's talking about this? To the end that my glory may sing praise. To thee, you guys ready for the rest of it? And not be silent. Did you guys hear me? Not be silent. May God's people sing praise to him and not be silent. I know that not everybody knows every song. And we, we can sit there and like pull out amazing grace in every voice, almost even non-church people stand and they know that. And sometimes we get into a new song and it's, and maybe young people hear it because they're, they're on the radio more and they hear it that way or whatever it is. But I'll tell you, there's one thing that God has commanded all of us to do and that's not to be silent. Our God is worthy of our praise. Can you imagine getting to heaven, standing before the King of Kings and then sitting there going, I'm just not into this. Can you imagine meeting Jesus and saying, this is just not my thing? God was literally declaring, let's praise God. Listen to the the verses, and I've used this through this whole series as we've been talking about this in Psalms 22, verse 3. But thou art holy, and thou inhabitest the praises of Israel. 
There's something about God's people singing that invites the presence of God into that place. He used the word inhabit, literally mean to take up residence, to dwell. He said God is everywhere. That is absolutely true. God is everywhere. But I'm not talking about God just being everywhere. We're talking about God moving. There's a difference between the presence of the Spirit of God and the moving of the Spirit of God. You know how I know that's true? You would not be saved here today if God didn't come and stir you, shake you, wake you up. There was a moving of the Spirit of God. There ought to be a moving of the Spirit of God in the church. And God says, I love to show up when God's people are praising me. Can you imagine a generation that ceases to praise God is a generation that seeks or stops to ask for revival. We're content. We don't care. We make it more about us. It's a description of revival. This is the purpose of music, but notice, brings us to the power of music. Music is powerful. It impacts our thoughts. It changes our mood. It has the power to lift us up, or it has the power to bring us down. Have you guys ever noticed that one of the biggest parts of making a movie is the movie score? And they will sit there and have a movie, and you'll have it on pause, and you're like, this looks boring. Turn on the music, and it totally sets the scene. A scary movie would not be a scary movie if it didn't have the scary music behind it. Just through the music, it brings you to the edge of your seat. And you're sitting there anticipating something to happen. Why? Because of the music. Music has power. Isn't it amazing how you can be watching a, a, a movie and all of a sudden you're a grown man in a movie theater crying your eyes out because some sappy song comes on and they're singing about it and so that he lost his puppy or something and just something happens and you just lose all control you take out that soundtrack or that music or those words and all of a sudden it's nothing music was created by god to have power it affects us the bible tells us to be careful about what we think about what goes into our minds because what goes into our minds is what we dwell in we think about when i was a kid i was walking through the grocery store and all of a sudden, I began to sing this song. And my mom said, why are you singing about Budweiser, Tony? I'm like, I didn't even realize I was doing it. I, I, I met with the worship team this morning, and I was telling them that I, I go around all the time singing the phrase, Jones Top Soil brings it home to you. <laughs> you say, that's one is, I've never heard that song. You know, it's, who's that by? You know, he's like, who, where, where'd that come from? It's a jingle on the radio for Topsoil. It has the power to get into your head. It has the power to make you think about it. it, it it's so weird how it has that. You say, why is that? God created it for that. The Bible says in Philippians 4.8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are a good report, if there be any virtue, or if there be any what? Praise. There's going to be any praise. You've got to think on these things. The whole thing that he was talking about, God gave us the power of the word of God to resonate, to dwell in us ritually, to come out of our lives, to invade our thinking, our thoughts through music. God's given us that for that reason. You, you, the, you know, we use the phrase all the time, you are what you eat. That's, that's the same thing with this. You are, did you guys know the average person listens to about 18 hours per week of music? From, from being in your car 
to sitting in a restaurant, to walking through the store, to from, from exercising, from your headphones, and wh- whatever you have of mode, it, about 18 hours. You say, well, you don't know my teen. I'm glad you mentioned that. The average teenager listens to over 30 hours per week. Over 30 hours per week. They said it's up to at least 35 and 40 in a lot of cases of young people. The question is, what are you thinking about? Because the Bible told us what to think about. And we know music is used as an avenue to putting your brain to make you think about things. The question is, with what's going into your head, does it match up with what God said should be going in your head? So, well, I'm just, I just don't agree. Well, remember, we're basing everything on the Bible. So that's, we're basing it on teaching and admonishing. And God said, how are you doing that? I've given you music to do this. Stats prove that today we have more depression, more anxiety, and more dark thoughts in our culture than ever before. Why? Why is that stat growing? And it is uh, amazing that that stat is growing at the same time that the, the convenience of music is growing too. We, we, we have music in every way possible around us. The Bible says that we're to think on these things, true, honest, lovely. I, I would challenge parents, don't be blinded by the tools of the devil thinking that your, your kid is okay and I don't know why they're so depressed and I don't know why they have so much anxiety when the devil is pumping garbage into their brain all day long. I, I, I looked up and, and guys, by the way, I have no, I'm not into pop culture enough to be able to get up here and tell you guys what these are or who these groups are or whatever. So I just Googled the top songs of 2020. The top songs of 2020. I, I literally, and then when I got into that, I looked at the top 10 songs of 2020. I don't even know if they, they were right. This was on the Billboard website or whatever. One of the top songs of 2020 that they say that everybody's listening to is a song called Highest in the Room. I got room in my fumes. Yeah. I don't know if I'm doing that right, but I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> She filled my mind up with ideas. Somebody drop me a beat, please. (laughs) I'm the highest in the room. It's lit. Hope I make out of here. Let's go. Now, I'm not, you know, one that can understand all the lyrics and things like that, but I'm going to say that's probably not the healthiest song. And what they're singing about is probably not something I want my teen doing, being around, or having in their life. But you say, well, they're not. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Have we been so duped by the devil of sitting there? God says, I've given you a powerful tool, and I want pumping into your brain things that are lovely, good, just, and of good report. And then all of a sudden, 18 to 20, 30, 40 hours a week, we have garbage being pumped in our heads. I don't know why my kid is so depressed. I don't know why they mouth off. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why. Because the devil's at work in their brain. Here's another one. This was top 10, okay? Heartache medication. My heartache medication, well, it suits me fine, and I'm drinking enough to take you off my mind. I got my heartache medication, another girl, another dance, a country song, turned me on. Here goes a good time and halfway to feeling all right. That's heartache medication. And I'm not like, where'd you dig that out? All I did was Google top songs of 2020, and these were the top tens on, on these reports. There is no purity, there is no praise, there is no truth, and there is no ministry. I don't know why we have so much depression. I don't know why suicide. You say, you're telling me that listening to one song, I'm telling you it has power and it's either bringing you up or bringing you down. It's either bringing you to the truth or away from the truth. 
You understand that we have an enemy in this world and we have God fighting for us. What, who's behind whatever the message being pumped out there? We're studying Colossians 3.16 and you said, wow, that, this verse doesn't even talk about the power. You're right, because the verse sets it up. Colossians 3.15. Before you even get into it, the word of God and music, it says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Do you understand what God wanted to do? The word rule in your heart literally means to take over, to protect. When you're filling your mind full of the things of God, all of a sudden negative comes in and God takes over and says, you don't belong in here, get out. Rule, to be the king, to worship the king, to let the king reside in my life to where I'm protecting my heart and my mind through what I'm listening to. So let's illustrate this. You have a rough day. You get into your car, turn on your radio. You're bummed out. Your boss was mad at you. Everybody, you know, nothing went good. You're, you're frustrated in life. You sit there, where, where are you going to turn that dial? Where, where are you going to turn that dial? What, what's going to come on and what's it going to do to you? It's teaching and admonishing you, reminding you. It says, I don't care who's against you. I don't care the bad day that you had. I don't care if you feel like you're a failure. There's a God that never walks out on you. He'll never leave you. He'll never turn his back on you. He never gives up on you. You know why we need to be reminded? Because we have feelings and emotions that go all over the place. And that's why people get in dark places saying, my life doesn't matter. I may as well kill myself. Who cares? To be reminded, God cares. God loves you. That's not just something that we made up. It's something that God has given us. Goes from there. The Bible talks about the variety of music. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Let's just look at that word songs, and then we'll break up back up and look at the others. Where did songs come from? What do we sing? What, what were these songs about? See, music is all through the Bible. It's not just in Psalms. Music is all through the Bible. They were an outlet used by God to communicate to that generation how God was working. Let me show you this. Before there, there was a hymnal, before there was 104.9, before there was iTunes or anything else, before there was the Gaithers, before there was comp- contemporary Christian there was the Bible and there was music. We sit there and talk about, man, if we could just get back. Do you understand a lot of the things that we get back to? There was music way before that. Because God's always, always, always been working. God never stops working. He never sat down and gave up on a generation. Here, let me illustrate. Exodus chapter 15, verse 1. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song. Listen, he sang this song unto the Lord and spake I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously, and the horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He hath become my salvation. He is my God. I will prepare him a habitation. My father's God. My father's God, and I will exalt him. You know what was going on like that? They got on the other side of the Red Sea. They turned around, and they said, I want to sing about that. I want to express through music what God just did for me. How God is working. How God is actively alive and working in my life. The word of God will never change. It is finished. From beginning to end, 66 books of the Bible, okay? It's preserved from generation to generation. This doesn't change. But music does. Music changes. Because music is the testimony of one generation telling another generation what God did for their generation. Be cautious, When a generation has nothing left to sing about, it means that God's not working in that generation. Let me show you. You say, well, you're taking one illustration. No. Judges 15, verse 1. And Deborah and Barak and the son of Benjamin, on the day saying, Praise ye the Lord in avenging Israel, 
when the people willingly offered themselves, awake, awake, Deborah, awake, awake, and utter a song. So this cool story happens. The enemy comes in. They're on these chariots. They get stuck uh, in a battle that they could not win because the chariots were so much stronger than what they were. Then all of a sudden, it begins to rain after they're praying to God. Everything turns to mud. The chariots get stuck in the mud. The enemy has to get out of the chariots, begin to run, run right into their arms, and they're able to bring down the enemy. Deborah then rises up, praises God, and sings about what God did. Oh, let's utter a song. She didn't say, well, let's just get together and just sing the song of Moses. They didn't do that. They wasn't just, let's sing. Said, man, thank God for Moses. Thank God God's doing something now. God is at work right now. God is alive. I love David. David was a man that wrote a lot of songs when we keep reading through the Bible. And you say, you can imagine David sitting down talking to his kids. And one of his kids said, come in here, guys. Come in here. Sit down for a minute. Dad wrote another song. Dad, why do you keep writing songs? David turned back and said, you know, God hath put a new song in my mouth, even praising our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. He said, God keeps showing me stuff. God still works. The psalmist wrote later, praise ye the Lord, sing unto him a new song. The beginning of Psalms, the end of Psalms. Sing a new song. Why? God never stopped working. You go to the New Testament. Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. You know what she was singing? Of what God was doing right there in her life. Jump forward to 1529. A man named Martin Luther wrote a song called A Mighty Fortress is Our God. It's one of the most powerful hymns known in history. He was attacked for writing the song. They said that his lyrics and melodies matched too much to local taverns. This is what they said about The Mighty Fortress is Our Song. And I quote Martin Luther saying this, that he should give that song back to the devil where it came from about that song, because it was new and different. Jump forward 2000, uh, to the year 2000, there was a young man that was passionate about serving God, leading worship and ministry. He met a young girl that he fell in love with. Her name was Melissa. While they were traveling, Jeremy got message that she was diagnosed with cancer at the age of 20. Regardless of everything that he knew, he still proposed to her. They got married on their honeymoon. She began where she was diagnosed with cancer. On her honeymoon, she started having stomach cramps. They go back to the doctor and realize that the, that the cancer had spread to her stomach. Five months later, she died. Five months later, she died. Jeremy wrote a song called, I Still Believe. I still believe in your faithfulness. I still believe in your truth. I still believe in your holy word. Even when I don't see, I still believe. You want to see this story? You can go to the theaters on March 13th. It's called a, a, a movie called Still Believe. It's the story of Jeremy Camp. You say, why? Because God is still working. Why new songs? Because God is still working. The Bible says, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. God has not quit working. He did not stop working with Fanny Crosby and he won't stop working in the next generation either. Fast forward into heaven. Revelations 5, 9. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou was slain. You say, why are we singing new songs? Because of the fact is, even in heaven, when God's still working and still unveiling, they sing a new song. 
You say, well, what about the older songs? I'm glad you asked because the Bible talks about that too. Did you know in Revelation 15 verse 3, and they, and they sing the song of Moses? All the way back in heaven, in heaven, they are singing the song all the way back from Moses in heaven. You say, why are they doing that? Because what God, God, the Bible talks about that he was, which was and is and is to come. God says, you know what? I'm the God of your God. I'm the God of your future children. And I'm the God of your grandfather. God has always been at work. And in heaven, we look back at that. So we just read how in heaven, you know what we sing in heaven? A new song. I, oh, I, that's exciting. I don't even know what that would be. But I know that God's going to give us a new song. And at the same time, they, I can imagine, let's sing this old, you know, it's like, and we sing the song of Moses at the same time in heaven. Why is that? God is a God of variety to look back, to remind us and tell us what he has done. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. This brings us almost to the close of this as we get into the types of music. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Did you notice it says the word and, 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 not or. God wants us to praise him in different ways. Not one way. Just singing one is not okay. Praising him in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. A variety of different ways that God has commanded us to praise him. A psalm is a set piece of music, a sacred ode. It's from the book of Psalms. And I said, man, what, what does that mean? I mean, a psalm, a hymn, a spiritual, how do you break that down? Well, it gives you a better understanding of it. It says a psalm song to, uh, from the book of Psalms. You read that and you see what it is. The end of the glory may sing praises to thee and not be silent, O Lord my God. I will give thee thanks unto thee forever. For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Did you notice that through those words, a psalm is a song sung to God. This is important because it's a relationship. And all of the songs that we do, the, I'll break it down and explain the other ones, but it is important that we have some songs that we sing that are directed to God. Now, a lot of the songs we sing are about us. It's a testimony. We'll get into that here in a minute. But they're songs that we lift up our voices to God. Notice these lyrics as I read through these lyrics. And notice what, how some of the songs that we sing obey this commandment. Great are you, Lord. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. Do you see the point of that? It's directional. I'm talking to God. Lord, I need you. Lord, I come. I confess. Bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Talking to God. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee, all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior, art thou. Talking to God. It is important that we tell God that we love him. It's a a relationship. Now we're going to put this into practice. Because you're sitting there saying, what does this mean? We're going to sing some songs... In our congregation, lifting up our voice, not being silent. So I'm going to invite you guys to get ready to come out here. We're going to finish my message. Still got a couple more points, but we're going to work through this. But the thing is, I don't want to just go through the motions. You say, why are we singing this song? This first song that we're singing is a psalm. It is a song sung to God. You're going to sit there and say, wait a minute. I thought there was older and newer songs. You're going to see a variety that there's some older hymns and some newer songs. Some older praise songs and some newer ones. He's great. He's amazing. We start reflecting on what God has done in our lives. It changes us. 
You see, we just sang a song, and it was a worship song. It was a praise song. It was praising God to God. But did you notice it was an older song? We have this misconception that if it's a praise song, it's got to be a new song. If it's a hymn, it's got to be an older song. Well, when the Bible wrote Colossians 3.16, there wasn't any of the songs that we sing today. So there was a, we, we, we label things in a way that they should not be labeled. But it goes into a hymn. A hymn is a song sung about God or the doctrines of God. It's said to be a song outside of the Psalms that's pretty much anything that could be labeled something outside of singing directly to God. It teaches doctrine. It teaches who God is. It tells us what God has done for us. A modern hymn is this. Let me show you a modern hymn. In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my string, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground. Talking about the, the song in Christ alone. It teaches us about the character of God. But then did you notice that most hymns testify? A lot of the hymns that we sing, either older or newer, it's beginning to testify about what God has done for me. Like blessed assurance, this is my story, this is my song. Did you notice that I'm not singing to God? I'm telling the testimony of what it is in my life. A great illustration of this, of the balance that has to be there, is if I came out here and went up to these guys and said, Gary, did I tell you what my wife did for me for Christmas? It was amazing, it was awesome. You know, I, Greg, I was, me and Jenny were the other day, we went out, we had the best time. It was amazing. I tell you, I married such a good woman. I married a great woman. I'm so thankful for the woman that I had. If that's all my relationship was, is just talking about my wife, it's not a very good relationship. But I tell you, I should do that. She hates this. <laughs> but there's a difference of me going to my wife to tell her that I love you and that I could not live without you. Yeah, you, oh, that was weak. Come on. I don't get many moments like that. Don't leave me hanging. <laughs> yeah, see, there's a difference. God created music to have a difference. There's some time that we're just, man, totally just, man, you are awesome. I think our voice ought to just shake the walls when we're singing to our God. We're talking to our God. But if you notice a lot of these songs that we're talking about, hymns are about me my and I. Let me illustrate. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. T'was blind, but now I see. That's not bad. So there and say, you just made it about yourself. No, it's testimony. I'm testifying about God and singing about the doctrines of God as I do it. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. It's not bad, but it's direction to me. At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. It's, it's all, all these things. You go through there. And now I am happy all the day. It's talking about me. And a, a modern one, cornerstone. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest friend, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. And Christ alone. Or, or in, in uh, Christ alone, cornerstone. Weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. Now, I'm going to warn you guys about something, because this is something that people will just flippantly throw out. Richard, can you pull that back up? People will sit there and say, if it's newer, it's weak. I hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but holy trust in Jesus' name is not weak. Be careful how the newer generation, younger generation, will sit there and say that the old songs are boring. And then the older generation sometimes will look at the newer generation and say that they're weak. Let me tell you something, this truth. Some of the old songs are boring. 
Not every song was a hit. There are some songs that were just, we don't, the, the hymnals are this big and we don't sing it. But I tell you, most of them are amazing. And let me tell you, there are some songs that the younger generation sing that I have no idea if they're singing about their dog, their grandma, or Jesus. I have no idea. I'll sit there and they're so poetic and getting around thinking I'm scratching my head. What are you singing about, dude? I know I'm old, but I'm to tell you, words should at least resonate in my mind of what you're talking about. Just saying that we have to be careful of we start, we start division wars inside the church because they're different. There should be older and newer. There should be things that are to God and about God. That's why God's given us these things. Now, this next song that we're going to do is a newer song, and I did that deliberately. I wanted a praise song that deliberately was a praise to God. It's a praise song that was written older, but a hymn, not because of the age of it, but because of the content of it. And the reason we chose this next song for this illustration of what a hymn is, is because it sings about the character and the doctrines of our God, who he is, the name of God, so it teaches it testifies, but at the same time, it crosses over as the testimony as we sing through this. We're also singing to God. Teaching. Did you get any teaching in that? Any names of God? Anything about his character? Any testifying? And did, did you just see it was a little different? How great thou art. I'm going to tell you, but I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to sing about it. But there's one more. And the other one, almost like, hey, wait a minute, we covered everything, <laughs> you know. There's songs about God and there's songs to God. How can there be a third category? Well, God put a third category in on purpose. See, it's a spiritual song, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Songs sung to stir and lift your spirit. It's what they are, spiritual songs. They're to God, they're about God, they're for God. They're songs to edify, they're songs to lift your spirit, they're songs to encourage Say, this sounds like we just sung. Let me explain more. Songs, as you sing them, they tap your foot and clap your hands. Songs that get in you and make you clean the house better. Songs you sing that you hear and instantly smile. Songs that are on the radio that change your mood, change your direction. Songs that place your thoughts on the things of God. I know all these things do, but as I explain this, there's a new song called God is on the Move. There's an older song that talks about go down to the river to pray. I'm going to explain. Some of these songs are not deep. They're just a spiritual song. And a lot of times in the old times, they would sit around and they would just clap their hands around the fire or whatever. And they would do these songs and they were just praising God. It was, it was, it, there, there was no depth. There wasn't no deep doctrinal teaching. It wasn't singing directly to God. They were just having a good time. And sing the down to the river to pray, talking about the good old day. It was, just, it was just a spiritual song. David Crowder has one called Run, Devil, Run. You want to get happy? Listen to that song. Mercy Me has one called Happy Dance. And I know the word dance scares Baptists to death. Like he said the D word in church. It's like, <laughs> dance is in the Bible, okay? And we're not talking about Michael Jackson, what he did. I wanted to illustrate just so you guys would have an idea of what it looks like. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. See, all he got on the edge of your seat, phones went out. They're like, here we go, baby, let's do this thing. I looked up the word even dance this morning because the Bible says that through psalms and things like that, to praise him in the dance. It literally means to jump to joy, express a thing, and then jump around. It, li- it literally means, and, and you sit there and say, should we do that in church? It's, it's not talking about reverencing or scheduling something in order to put on a performance. 
But it is a matter, I'll tell you, when you're excited and you're cleaning your house and all of a sudden you're taking a couple extra steps and jumps and things that you do, or even to move your body is not okay. And I know some people are like that. I'm just trying to tell you what the Bible says. You sit there and you use that word and everybody gets all shaky. And it's just like, well, David danced before the Lord, but it wasn't a show. It wasn't a show. It was just excitement that came out of someone that loved God. There's a song that we sing called Glorious Day. It's a newer song, and it's an exciting song. And, and I love this because we build up to this. It says, you called my name, then I ran out of the grave. You think about how we were dead in our trespasses of sin, and we sing that. And Matt does a great job of trying to put that punch in there. Uh, there, it just lifts my spirit. You're thinking physically. It's not deep doctrinal that we're trying to get across. It's not a song directly to God, but it's something that stirs our heart in such a way, thinking, man, I did run out of that grave. I didn't stay in there. I'm not dead. Out of the darkness, into your glorious day, you called my name. And I ran out of the grave. It's, it's songs that lift your spirit with this. Some songs are, are songs that are repetitive, that repeat something over and over. One that we love to do that's like that, so that's repetitive, is I'll fly away. The word I'll fly away is in that song like 29 times that we repeat that phrase. And let me be honest, that's not a deep doctrinal thing. One time in the Old Testament, it said a song, I will take wings of a dove and fly up into heaven or something like that. We made a whole song out of it. <laughs> you would sit there and say, I just want that deep doctrinal stuff. It's not deep doctrinal, I'm sorry to tell you that. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Not a whole lot of wing flapping on your way up there. <laughs> it's like, whoo, and it's like there. It's like, I didn't need those wings, God. Why did you get, anyways. <laughs> I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. It's not deep, but I'll tell you, I sure like it. <laughs> Just something that lifts our spirit, brings joy and smile, and makes us clap. Another one is, I saw the light. It's a rejoicing song. I saw the light. I saw the light. And we, we instantly get it. Just, we begin to move with this. It's a song that causes you to rejoice. Remember the word joy. Rejoice literally means to have joy and come out of you. Or joy come out of you. Clap, sing, be happy, smile, rejoice. All those things. They're different. God gave us different music for different reasons. To do different things. To affect us emotionally, physically, spiritually. To put things on our heart and mind. To think about God. I'm going to give you a command. Psalm 149. Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song and praise in the congregation of his saints. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people and he will beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory and let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand.